When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Cancer Into Touch. My name is Kieran Bracken for and this story is about my little sister Louise Bracken Smith. We're recording the highs and lows of her journey. She was diagnosed with cervical cancer uh, some time ago, which actually came about from a bike accident, and um, she was very, very ill from that and realised it wasn't concussion, but it was in fact cancer. The cancer was too big to operate, and uh, poor little Louise ended up in the Marsden and um, the great news, she went into remission and she's at the other side with a terrible news that's come back, uh, being diagnosed with incurable cancer. And this podcast, the last one and, and, the, and the other four podcasts have basically been chronicling her journey, really. Uh, it's a story of hope, of resilience. And uh, we feel that Louise, if all of it, she's got this amazing resolve to survive, which is amazing. So, Louise, this is the last one, and I'm very, um, I'm sort of very pleased with what we've recorded in the in the last four. Um, but one, let, let's just um, let's just have a think about. It. One thing I did realize that someone told me you've actually uh, got a disabled badge, which is one of the perks of having cancer. Is that is that right, Louise? Yeah, I realized last time that um, I could have applied for a disabled badge, and I didn't. And it was COVID times and I was going through the airport and queuing for hours and hours and hours. And then this time when I was diagnosed, I, one of the first things I did was apply for it. And the reality is you really actually need it. You know, you want to get to the hospital and you can park in the disabled spots right next to the hospital. Uh, but it does have its advantages when you need to pop into town and um, there's not many parking spaces. So, yeah, I'm a proud owner of a blue badge. How long? How long? So is that for forever and a day? It expires in 2025. So what I've got to work out is what disabled um, sports I'm now going to enter into when I make it to the <laughs> That's amazing. So, so I mean, um, one of the things that um, is quite interesting over the last few weeks, you know, we've been on tender hooks about the, the recent scans. The signs are that, that the cancer in the the abdomen have sort of reduced you're in you i think you've had five rounds of chemo um you, your fifth one was delayed and now you're delaying your last bit of treatment so you can go on holiday with the family and um i guess really firstly is that wise and uh, and secondly what what was the reason for that decision yeah it was the platelets that were low so they were 7.6 and they need to be sort of at a margin of eight before they can give you the chemo. So that was delayed by 10 days after having a blood transfusion. If everything had been on track, I would have been able to have the other chemo around the 13th of October. And that meant a good two week holiday with the family and the treatment would have been over. Um, However, life's just not straightforward, is it? So I had various blood tests and that meant I couldn't have the chemo. And now they've decided that I've got to have another blood transfusion next week, which will be on the 14th of October. So it was decision time for me, really. Do I get on the plane on the 15th of October, which is really against all of the medical advice, just because it's going so far and, you know, there's no medical support there? Uh, or do I just stay at home and wait and have 
just wait to have my chemo on the 1st of November and miss the holiday. So, but you've, I mean, someone asked the question, is there a hospital where you're going? And there's no, but you just, you just want to live your life, don't you? That's the other thing. I can quite completely understand why you make that decision. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I think we had this holiday to look forward to and we were all really focused on, you know, spending some quality time as a family and didn't expect to have the sort of curveball thrown in at the end. Um, the other slight complication is that, unfortunately, my tumour markers seem to be on the rise again, which is worrying. Um, you know, they were all going in one direction and that was down. Um, so that is playing on my mind. I am worried about that. Um, but, I, you know, I think the holiday is the right thing to do for everybody. Haven't you been warned, though, that because you're having immune therapy as well at the same time, that that can flame the tumours that you've had that now? Um, reduced I guess yeah that was the sort of warning around the time of the scans to just be aware that the scans might not go according to your expectations that they may inflame the tumors that are there because it takes some time for the immunotherapy to work and obviously I've got to, I've got to have immunotherapy for two years even after this chemo which is fine it's great I'm delighted I'm able to have it but um, it does confuse the scan results as it were but amongst all of this, um, I have been referred to somebody else at the Marsden and I am going for a whole second opinion um, on my whole treatment. I've got a PET scan now booked for early November um, right. and, and another oncologist looking at all of my scans and um, seeing how my progress is made. So one thing that you talked about throughout this series, you've got this incredible mental fortitude and resolve to get there. I guess, I mean, you don't have a choice, do you? You want to live and you've gone on this an amazing journey um and so you you kind of do believe within yourself that because you want to live for your kids and your family that you're going to come out the other side without cancer and even though the specialist has said you have incurable cancer there's something tells me that you believe that you won't and that you will survive and that you will get through it yeah 100 percent. i made a decision sort of quite early on that you know that wasn't going to be me that someday i'm going to go back to that original grim reaper as we called her um just to, just to prove her wrong. And, um, you know, that I'll, I'll take great, great delight in that. Uh, but the journey's not straightforward. It is, it is a roller coaster. Um, yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of things that I've done that I wish I knew about at the time when I was originally diagnosed. And that really, for me, is the purpose of this podcast. I think if some people can take some of the things away that, you know, I've been doing, you know, then I, I think they can prevent it coming back. You know, if, I feel if I'd radically changed my diet at the time, if I had, you know, done the oxygen therapy, if I'd have met my functional medicinal doctor at that time, and also with a combination of the care oncology drugs, then it could have been all been preventative. But here I am sort of a year later, finding all this information out myself, stumbling across most of it, um, speaking to as many people as I can, researching all hours of the day. You know, it's a full-time job, just what's next, what's next. And I just feel that there's a lot of information there that we could share with people that might make a difference to them. One of the things that I, I've sort of learned, something like you say, one of the lessons is to appreciate what we have, the love we have. You're very lucky to have family and friends and, and money to be able to do these things. Uh, and some people don't. But one of the things I really admire is your ability to live your best life and going on holiday is important. But also, I think at one stage uh, during this process, you've horse uh for for little 
Georgie, your youngest, and you you call it uh, call Snowy and, and a little white horse, beautiful little horse, and um, it's been very therapeutic. Yeah, the horse story has been quite interesting because um, Georgie was fortunate to be sort of able to ride this horse. Um, he was owned by somebody else and leased by two other lovely little girls, and you know then the owner had decided to sell him, and we weren't really in that space at that time because she was just sort of in the early stages of learning how to ride. But I would go up and spend some time with him and found myself cuddling him and just found that I just really enjoyed being with him. And on reflection, I think it's, you know, he is a healing horse. He's just a big animal and he's just lovely to cuddle and be with. Yeah, we've managed to be very fortunate to be able to buy him. And he's he's been a, just an absolute God saver for her, for Georgie to be able to spend time up at the stables for me to go and walk him and the rest of the family, you know, there's quite a few of us in the family that need the therapy and um, he, he's been amazing. Um, and the same with the dogs, you know, they, they've got real healing energy. I love spending time with them, walking with them. I get an awful lot from being with all these animals, which is quite an interesting um, dynamic as well. So one, one of the things that comes through this podcast is that you're quite spiritual about everything. I mean, to the extent of having your neighbour blow a horn on you and, you know, people say, prayers for you and you're wearing bracelets and all sort of little things that show that you feel very connected with yourself and the world and your part in it I mean that spiritual side what one thing I have to say I was I was worried at one stage when you know you were trying everything to get better I think recently you you did some something where you put headphones on and they test your you can tell me about that in a minute but I was thinking she'll try everything to get well and and I, I guess who knows what I would be like in that condition. But I do remember the story. I've, I've seen it on net, Netflix called John of God. So people who were <laughs> dying of cancer and, you know, were told everything's incurable. They were going off to, I think, Sao Paulo or whatever and basically seeing John of God and being cured. Uh, and I thought to myself, it's, you know, and, and it turns out that John of God, whether he did or didn't, has been healing people for years, but also has been abusing women over the years has been using his power to, and I thought to myself is she's not going to end up some cult in Brazil or wherever just to, to get better I think your faith in everything outside the science is very strong yeah absolutely and I'm a big believer in when the earth or the universal science share information with you and and I was reading two books at the time there was the Chris Willems, um, Everything You Need to Know to Beat Cancer, and um, the other book that you referred to already, which is the Radical Remission book. And both of them made reference to the John of God, a man in Brazil. All you need to do is get there. Um, it's free when you're there. You line up. You have to wear white. There's a spiritual journey that you know you go through when you're there. And the stories that have come out of people visiting him are, are quite remarkable. Um, but when I looked him up about actually going to see him, um, yeah, it turned out that he's now in jail. So that's quite disappointing. But I am very keen to um, find something like that. And, uh, you know, there's Joe Dispenza who does all these amazing courses. I'd be quite interested in possibly going to see one of his very spiritual, it's about connection. It's all about mind, body control. Um, and I've done the Wim Hof course, which is also a breathing technique. And there's lo- loads of positive science and stories around people who have, you know, gone on the Wim Hof uh, retreats and and had remarkable stories of recovery from incredible diseases. So I'm definitely interested in this whole alternative um, self-healing journey. And I think it's quite an exciting one to be exploring. Do you honestly think that 
if you think yourself better, you can make yourself better. I mean, it's it, it's 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 it seems to me quite too difficult to overcome science. But but there is, we we don't know the powers of the mind, do we? Really, we don't know how strong that sort of what you're saying is one of the common denominators between all those who come out of remission or in radical remission where they've been told you're incurable and you've got no chance they somehow have this inner belief that they don't believe in what they've been told and they're going to live and i guess you know is the mind that powerful to to cure yourself and to live a long life is that really possible yeah i mean everything i've read i mean that's brought me back to the meditation which i learned quite early on and i did this transcendental meditation um, and there, you know, the teachers are all over the world. And it's quite a powerful, um, yeah, it's a simple meditation tool. I'd never been taught before. I'd read about it. But as part of learning how to do the meditation, um, what you do when you close your eyes is you bring yourself into a cellular level and you try and spend your time, your 20-minute meditation, focusing on, in my case, which is the cancer and trying to shut it down. So that's what I've been working really, really hard internally to shut down all these defective um, cells in my body, um, which was why I was quite amazed that the scan showed there was no evidence of disease. Obviously, that's yet to be confirmed, but I, I do believe this, the success I've had so far has been very much down to that mental attitude. And to be fair to the oncologist in Jersey, she did say it's how your mind is about all of this, you know. And I and I fear that a lot of people that go in for chemo, I mean, they just look like they've given up. They just look like they're, you know, not in the fight at all. That would be my observation and I, and I think if you're told something then you especially by someone in a white coat then you you believe it don't you and I think definitely the older generation will very be struggle to question anybody that gives them any medical advice our generation might be a bit more inquisitive and challenging but don't forget we've been through this whole journey once already and we didn't question we didn't question things or we or we thought we did and we thought we had the right answers but when you're let down by the system, you've got no alternative other than to go within and do as much research as you can, which is, I think, where we've we've ended up, really. On the spiritual side, uh, I was interested to get your take on the, the bike accident. So this is where it all started. You are racing. I think you were racing for Jersey. I know you represented Jersey and you were keen on your triathlons and you felt you had a new lease of life doing the triathlons. And it was actually a bike accident in the first instance. Do you think that bike accident, in a spiritual sense, was meant to happen? Because uh, cervical cancer is, of course, a silent killer. You know, don't know you have it. You, you'd had uh, a test the year before for it, and, and, and you were clear. So you assumed everything was fine. But do you think this bike accident possibly you know, did something to that orange-sized cancer in your in your cervix that gave you a wake-up call to say something's not quite right. Do you think that was all meant to happen or was it just coincidence? Yeah, I think serendipity, it was definitely meant to happen. I don't. I think I would have probably just died and everyone would have been, you know, oh gosh, she had a tumour, no one, no one knew. So right. I think I was meant to live. I was meant to go through this long, arduous journey for whatever reason. Yeah, I was, I'm very blessed I had that accident. That was just meant to be. I probably wasn't meant to get back on my bike and try and carry on riding. I probably was meant to stop. What did you do? Break a rib? or? Yeah, what? I broke a couple of ribs. And, but really, it was the terrible concussion that, that really affected me and, and led to my you know, decline in my health. You know, I spent the next two weeks in bed, the next four weeks sort of having these cold sweats, hot cold sweats, you know, unable to eat, unable to function, really couldn't read. Um, I was attending board meetings 
in my bed, um, having read the board pack, memorized the board packs from the week before, you know, I, I was, I was in a terrible state and you know, the, yeah, the concussion has, I think I still have a bit of concussion. I don't think it's quite gone, but yeah, in, to, in terms of, was it meant to be, I firmly believe, yeah, I was meant to have that accident because goodness only knows when I would have found out. Um, cause I had no symptoms, as you say. Do you have any regrets in the sense that do you feel that you should have done things differently? Do you, I know you've said a few times that you feel let down, but um, you know this is all a journey for you and for the rest of the family. But you, you kind of feel that you should have been doing things, and you kind of blame yourself as well that you should have been doing things. You should have been eating better. You, sh- you know, for me, like if if you're clear the cancer, you know, you, you open the champagne and you <laughs> you you live your life. But what you're saying is you kind of feel bad that you probably should have done more to to make sure it didn't come back is that what you feel yeah I mean I was just skipping around I literally opened a bottle of champagne the day we found out we had the all clear I remember having friends over and we just drank and drank and I probably didn't stop drinking and then I just lived what I thought was my best life and you know that involved socializing quite a lot that involved um obviously a lot of time with the kids that was that was amazing but I just went straight back into you know training hard um you know I had a half Ironman planned you know, it was just back back to back to business. You know, I wasn't working, which was also, in my mind, I changed my life significantly. I didn't have the, you know, demands of office life on me. I, I felt my life had changed significantly enough. And interesting, when I look back, um, another good friend of mine um, yeah, who had been through something similar where she had breast cancer, and she, you know, she, she'd said to me, you're just not taking this seriously enough. You know, they were her words. You're not taking this seriously enough. I just remember when she left thinking, what, what does she mean? You know, I've changed my life enough. But I just didn't do the research. I didn't, I didn't understand that a clear scan didn't mean that I didn't have stem cells that really were just waiting for their opportunity to form a tumor somewhere else in my body. I hadn't appreciated that. They didn't spell that out to me. When I read the statistics of a chance of reincurrence being 33%, I just thought, well, that, that's not going to be me. And... I didn't understand what, what it meant to get, you know, a reoccurrence, you know, changing my life and not working. I thought, I thought that was sufficient, but now I realize there was so much I could have done and wish I had done. So I'm not blaming anybody. I am where I am, but it's just, if there are other people in this situation, I think don't just go through your chemo and think it's over because you've then got to spend the rest of your life in this preventative mode. And there's so much we can all do organic food, diet, is a, such a massive part of who we are. You know, all the toxins in our lives that are just, we just accept dyeing our hair, you know, all the stuff we spray in the house, deodorants, shampoos. Our whole environment needs to be looked at. And I think we can all live a much cleaner life um, with a bit of thought and effort. And so you obviously you've changed your, your sort of lifestyle and, and, and the kids hopefully benefiting from that as well, your husband. But one of the things you know, is that I worry for you and, and, and I, you know, I'm prepared for what the answer might be, but let's just say it did come back. I don't want to reduce your fortitude, but are you prepared for tough times down the road? So for instance, in the, in the recent chemo, you couldn't have the chemo. You had to delay it a week. You had to get the bloods right. You know, you're doing all of these things now, but you know, that mental attitude isn't necessarily required just in round one or two. It's, requ- it's probably required in three, four, five, six, seven to, to live a really long life, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure I could cope with chemo again. Right. I'm just not sure I could go through it again. I'm desperate to get this last one finished. 
you know, my husband at one point was trying to get me ready for it not just being six rounds because obviously they've told me it's six rounds. Um, yeah. That's what we're all working to in two years of immunotherapy. And obviously that was the CT scan results showed that I could have the rest of the two treatments and they didn't need to change things. But I think in three months or four months time and someone said, right, it's back. We need to now have another blast of chemo. I'm just not sure I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want my life back. I'm sick of it, to be honest. Right. So I'm not ready. I'm not a planner. I never live in the future. I always live in today. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's my nature. I definitely live in the day and I'm right. not planning on it coming back. Can't cope with it coming back, but you know I have been here before, so I am in a cautious frame of mind. I am going to be in this preventative state for as long as possible. Interestingly, I'll just show you here. I've got my mistletoe arrived, which is came in the post. So these are the um, these are the vials that I now have to inject into my leg. There they are. That's that's seven doses, but I have three a week, and that will be for two years. But yeah, I'll be injecting myself later on. And the vitamin C, we're hoping um, Sister Jane is going to hopefully be able to provide that in Jersey, which I think will be a real game changer. I won't have to travel then. For so for someone like me, the situation is I should have vitamin C, a course of vitamin C every four, so, sorry, every three months, so four times a year. So my hope is that in January, Jane, Sister Jane will have it all set up in her surgery. She's got the qualified um, anesthetist and staff there to be doing it. So that's really amazing. Um, and then I had this other injection, which I had to do myself, which is called a Pelgraz, which is self-administered stapler. It's like pretty hardcore. You have to staple this into your body. What? I know. Um, which isn't as bad as it looks, actually. But I had to do that yesterday. And that's for my neutrophils, which are, uh, I think, in your white blood cells. And it's to make sure that they don't fall too low. So I'm hoping, well, next week I'm going for bloods again. This is all pre-holiday. And... I am scheduled in for another blood transfusion um, and that's to try and keep the the platelets from dropping too low again so that when I come back off my holiday and I'll be lovely and rested and have great platelets and amazing blood results. You're going to be injecting yourself whilst you're on holiday. You're going to have staples in your stomach and then you're going to be sitting on the beach and then someone's going to look over. You're going to have all these staples, right? And then you're going to have your wig probably back to front. Yeah, you haven't mentioned this wig I thought you'd have mentioned it by now. Um, loads of people don't recognise me or don't say hello to me because I've been wearing this one recently. So it's obviously really bad. It's obviously a really terrible one. It's another one of my cheapies. It's not great. It doesn't quite fit. Um, but I'm going to take it off because um, ah, it's hot. But one thing you have said, which uh, which is interesting and um, which I found fascinating was when we talked about the treatment, you said you've made peace with death. Obviously, we're, the thing is, we're all going to die, right? We are all going to die. And the question is when? And obviously, I don't think about it because I'm hoping I've got another 30, 40 years left, you know. Maybe older people think about it more, younger people. But when you've been diagnosed with incurable cancer, you know, suddenly it becomes upon you. And therefore, we never, none of us really know how we feel. Yeah, I think before now, I've had a, I had fear in my life from different things and death was definitely one of them and strangely I don't have that fear of death I really don't want to die and I'm definitely planning to be an old lady um but this fear of lots of things has gone um yeah I'm open to much more spirituality than I was yeah I don't know how to describe it I don't know how to explain it I just don't have the you know if I'd have been going for a run in a 
you know, a new city or a town and it might be dark and I might be terrified of going through the woods or, you know, slightly frightened of things, scared of the dark, scared of different things. I just don't have that fear of the unknown as I did. It's hard to articulate, but yeah, I feel at peace with that, not at peace with dying because I just don't want, I just don't think it's my time. I think I've got a lot to do and I think I could help if, you know, when I get through this, I think I could help people and that's my plan. You know, if I can... You know, and interestingly, you do become a bit of a phone a friend when your other network of friends, you know, have people that have just been diagnosed. And and I have put together a bit of a cheat sheet of, you know, we'll put this in the show notes of the key books that I've found, the key websites that I've found really useful, the people I've used for the wigs, you know, the place where I bought my non-fluoride toothpaste, you know, all of the detail that takes a long time to get to. Um, I, I've put together so hopefully people will find that useful in these show notes but as you know it's not medical advice we're not here for any of that because um, we're non-medics uh, it's just my my journey and my protocol yeah so hopefully it'll help a lot of people in the the same sort of boat I mean they may have completely different types of cancer. their journey would be very different but from your point of view it, it this would be very interesting for them to sort of see and listen to your journey which has been you know, really high and then really low and then back to a high and, and you're still in that constant state of being aware of whether you've, you know, whether whether it's worked, whether it's not worked. And and this is series one and, and, and I hope that it gets to series five and we can keep talking about it because people enjoy listening to it. So what we will do, um, we will at the end of this sort of uh, spell out the, an email address to contact, maybe a Facebook page as well and, um, you know, we can also record your recent journeys and people can get updates because I'm sure at the end of it, people would just love to know how is it going and how was the holiday and all of those sort of things. So listen, it's been fascinating for me to talk to you, Louise. This is, uh, it's been cathartic for me. I hate the idea of seeing you sick, but I love the fortitude, the strength, the inner strength that you've got that the rest of us probably don't have. Yeah, we're all made from the same stuff. I think it's not until you're in this situation that you have to dig so deep but thank you kieran i've loved doing these podcasts with you much much appreciated and we should we should uh, thank the producers for putting this together but what they don't know is that at the start of every podcast trying to get the sound right is you've got these little microphones and we've got computers ipads uh and and iphones and never have we been able to connect I've actually got a microphone in the drawers, but it doesn't work because I can't connect to my computer. So listen, we've laughed on this. We've cried a little bit and, and hopefully people will listen and watch this and, you know, have a little giggle, but also see see what you're doing is amazing. And uh, what you do, don't fly to, to Brazil and uh, join some sort of cult uh, because I don't want to endorse anything like that. But I'm loving I'm loving the, the advice on... on sort of appreciating what we have living our best life thanks Kieran love you lots 